0: Your Bible to church this morning, go ahead and open up to Nehemiah chapter 1. Nehemiah is in the Old Testament. We've been teaching the children this week, whenever they pull their Bible out, if they don't know where the book of the Bible is that we're going to, to go ahead and open to the table of contents. For some of us, we brought our smartphone or our tablet to church. It's real easy to find the book. All you do is just type it in and it just pops right up, right? So Nehemiah, Nehemiah is in the Old Testament, um, and chapter 1, and the the series title that we're talking about is Restoration. And, and that's what the book of Nehemiah is really all about. It's about God restoring things that have been broken. And specifically, it's about the broken wall. But I got a question. I mean, why don't we worship like this every Sunday as a church? I mean, let's do that, church. And we do. And, and, and sometimes we do. But sometimes we just come in and we're just a little bit... Weary and tired. You know why we don't? I, I think it's because sometimes we're just broken. Why, why doesn't the world out there do what we did this morning? It's because people out there are broken. The world that we live in is a broken world, right? Lots of things are broken. Things break all the time, don't they? And I think it's a picture, it's a, it's a symbol that there's something wrong with the world that we live in. There's something broken about the world that we live in. And I watched as my son got a little bit overzealous playing a game this week. And he hit Drew in the face. And Pastor Drew broke his glasses. And now he's got a little green tape on there. And I wonder how long that will stay there. If he'll just leave it there or he'll get some new glasses. I don't know. We'll see. Glasses break. Glasses break. I know, we're, I mean, we deal with that all the time. How about your cars breaking down? We got a family this morning, two vehicles broke down this morning on the way to church. Cars break, right? I heard Dave Ramsey telling some dude on the phone, he was talk, they were talking about how the guy kid was saying that we're poor, we're poor, we're poor. And the dad finally said... Quit telling people that we're poor. We're not poor. We're just broke. <laughs> Sometimes your, your, your finances break, don't they? Sometimes your water heater breaks. Sometimes the roof leaks and you got to call a repairman. Sometimes the pipes leak. I mean, things break, don't they? And when things on earth break, what it ought to remind us of is the fact that the world that we live in is broken. But you know why the world that we live in is broken? It's because we are broken. The day that sin entered the world, brokenness became the condition. And if Nehemiah is all about restoration, and how to have restoration, how the people of God can be restored, then before we can be restored, see, here's the truth, before we can be restored, we must admit our brokenness before God. Because here's the deal, a broken thing can't fix itself. And a broken person can't fix his or herself either. You'll never fix the problem on your own. But what God wants you to do is admit to Him that you are broken and that you have a great need. And the only answer is Him and the restoration that He can bring into your life. Now, if you found your place in Nehemiah, we're going to do what our children have been doing. Uh, what I want you to do is just with your finger maybe in, on the page or wherever, if you've got your smartphone, tablet, that's okay too. Stand up with me and I want you to lift it up. Kids, you know what to do. Right. I want you to tell them kids, all the kids that are out there, I want you to say it loud like you said it at camp. OK, what is this that we hold in our hand? Say it. Power. alright we right. We're going to say it one more time as a church? Do you think you can say it? What are we holding in our hand? Power. All right. Amen. Now, stay standing. We're going to read from Nehemiah chapter one. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah. Now it happened. In the month of Kislev, in the 20th year, as I was in Susa, the citadel. That Hanani, one of my brothers, came with certain men from Judah. And I asked them concerning the Jews who escaped, who had survived the exile, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, the remnant there in the province who had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates are destroyed by fire. Let's stop there. Let's pray together. Father, as we stand in this place, Lord, we are standing here as broken people. There's not a one in this place, Lord, that is perfect and put together we all are in need of you lord as we look around us in the world around us we see the brokenness in other people and we see the brokenness in our world and it breaks our hearts lord help us to have the same compassion that you have help us to have the same concern that lord we would take the only answer for brokenness into a broken world And we would be used by You, Lord, to help mend lives, to help see restoration in those around us. But Lord, we know it starts with a relationship with You first. And so Lord, if there's one here that doesn't know You, I pray that through the preaching and hearing of Your Word, that they would respond in faith to what Jesus has done, and they would be saved today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. may be seated. It's Nehemiah. I just like saying his name. He's got a cool name. There's some other names in this book that I will not be able to pronounce. And when we get there, you're just going to have to give me grace. Amen? That's okay. But Nehemiah is that story of those broken things being put back together. Homes and marriages, towns, communities, country and morality and worship. Of all those things coming back together for the people of God. Now, Nehemiah, and in the book before, in the book of Ezra, the guy named Zerubbabel that helped build the temple, put it back together, and Ezra, the scribe, the guy that was kind of in charge for a while, they were all contemporaries. And even during this same period of time, Esther, the queen, who was queen for a while in Persia, she, she lived during this same time. But they were living in the time frame of the returning exiles from Babylon. Babylon. If you remember the story, the people of God had erected altars to uh, false gods and they were worshiping in ways that did not please their one true God. And their God said, listen, if you continue to do this, then bad things are going to happen. And he warned them through the prophets and over and over the prophets of God said to the people, unless you repent, you're going to be carried off into exile. And people that you don't know are going to live in your homes. Well, the people of God continued to do that. Well, God took away the northern tribes and scattered them all over the world through the Assyrian Empire. And as that happened, the people of Judah said, you know, they got what was coming to them. But God sent more prophets to Judah and said to Judah, if you don't repent, the same thing's going to happen to you. And guess what? They didn't repent. So in 597 B.C., Babylon the king of Babylon Nebuchadnezzar they came and they took all of the people away from their homeland into Babylon We'll flash, fast, fast forward I <laughs> say flash flash forward fast forward whatever go forward in time and what you see is now a new king who has taken over his name is Cyrus Cyrus the great the great king of the Persian Empire. He's taken over Babylon now. And now he's got all of these Jews living all in his empire. And God puts it on Cyrus's heart to tell the people that they can go back into their homeland. And so they go back into their homeland. But we find out in the book of Ezra, the previous book, chapter 4, that they faced severe opposition while trying to rebuild the temple. And then because of that opposition, things kind of didn't go the way that the Jews had planned had hoped that that they would be able to go back to their homeland and everything would be okay again. But the problem was not that the temple was broken and not that the wall was broken, but that the people were still broken. So Nehemiah asks about this. And what I want you to see about Nehemiah for just a minute, as Nehemiah looks at all the broken pieces all around him, What I want you to see first in Nehemiah that ought to be in you and I when we see the brokenness around us. Number one, he had a humble concern. Now look at what it says. He says this, one of his brothers returned. It says in verse 2, I asked them concerning the Jews who escaped. Notice, Nehemiah had the Jews of his homeland on his heart. He was concerned. And we're going to find out that Nehemiah is not simply concerned about how well they're doing financially, or whether they're in their homes again, or how their families are doing. What he's mostly concerned about is their relationship with God. And how is that going with those people? And this this humble concern that he had, it did not exclude his own condition, because Nehemiah is also concerned for himself and his own family, and those that are in Babylon as well. And he wants them to worship the same God. So Nehemiah asked the question. And he showed the concern. You you can't make a difference in the world around you if you are uninvolved, unconcerned, and unaware. You need to keep your eyes open spiritually if God's going to use you to help bring restoration into someone's life. And listen, admitting that you're broken is part of it. And showing concern for your own spiritual condition is necessary. Does the spiritual condition of the people around you break your heart?
1: If it does, I
0: want you to understand this. Our God shares the same concern. Our God is just as concerned as we are about everything that concerns us. In fact, He's infinitely more concerned about it. He pays attention to it. Not that He can't do anything about it. It's just that He cares. And He is the answer. God knows. If you skip down to verse 6 with me, let your ear be attentive, Nehemiah prays. And your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you day and night. Now, what Nehemiah doesn't know is what we've been promised in the New Testament. And that is when we pray in the name of Jesus, he's going to hear our prayer. He's going to answer the prayer. Aren't you glad that when you pray, God hears you? And that you don't have to wonder about that? Well, Nehemiah lived in a time period whenever he prayed. He didn't know for sure if God was going to listen to him. He didn't have the same promises that you and I have. Now, he had some, but he didn't have all of them. And so Nehemiah, whenever he prays to God, he says, God, please hear me and please listen to me. And what Nehemiah didn't quite understand that we know today is that our God hears us. He knows, He listens, and He cares. And we know that He's a compassionate God because He did the most compassionate thing you could ever do. He gave Himself for you and me, for our brokenness. He sent His one and only Son to die for us. And so we see that Nehemiah has this concern. But secondly, what we also see is not only do they have a humble concern, he also had holy Contrition. Now look at what it says here in verse 4. As soon as I heard these words, what words? That, that the, the place was broken still and that the, the walls were broken and it wasn't going well with the people of God and, and the temple was neglected and all of these things. It said, as soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. And I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Nehemiah sat down, and, and, it, and you can just imagine this. He, he didn't just sit down. You can imagine how he sat down. He just kind of went, he just collapsed and slumped down. You know, you've seen someone do that. I've seen people do that this week at kid's camp. There was nothing else to do but just to sit down and feel bad about it, Right? And this is where Nehemiah was. He was broken on the inside for the brokenness that he saw around him. He wept and mourned for days. And some scholars believe that this went on for four months. Leading up to what happens in the next chapter, in chapter 2. That's four months in between those two chapters. And some people think that that just went on. Nehemiah just wept for his people. He knew that there were thousands without homes. He knew that there were young people growing up without fathers. He knew that the wall was broken down and the people were in jeopardy day and night. Of raiders and, and people that would come and hurt them. But most importantly, he knew that because worship was not happening in the temple... That an entire generation, another generation, was going to grow up not knowing the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And that broke Nehemiah's heart. The word contrition literally refers to a chiseling away of something that's hard. When you experience... A holy contrition because you view with concern the brokenness around you. Your heart will break on the inside for the people around you and for the spiritual condition around you. And you won't be able to stay right where you are. There's going to be something that comes all over you for that. Your emotions will begin to well up inside of you. You may even get a little angry. I heard someone say once that grown men don't cry. And when you look at Nehemiah, you see a grown man crying for days. I heard the, uh, excuse me, Warren Wiersbe said these words. He said, "If you want to learn what a person is really like, ask three questions: What makes him laugh?" What makes him angry? What makes him weep? He goes on to say, what we need today is not anger, but anguish. The kind of anguish, or another word for anguish is contrition, that Moses displayed when he broke the two tablets of the law and then climbed up the mountain to intercede for his people. Or that Jesus displayed when He cleansed the temple and then wept over the city. The difference between anger and anguish is a broken heart. It's easy to get angry, especially at someone else's sins. But it's not easy to look at sin, including our own, and weep over it. Psalm 51 verse 17. David says, The sacrifices of God Or a broken spirit? A broken and contrite heart, oh God, you will not despise. Let me ask you a couple questions real quick. Now, I want you to think about what I'm asking. You don't answer it out loud. Nobody else needs to hear it. Are you quick to laugh about an off-color joke that you see on the internet? But act like a grumpy old humbug when you come to church? Do you get more angry whenever you have to wait 15 minutes in line for a hamburger than the drive-thru than over the children that have to go an entire weekend during the school year without something to eat? Do you shed more tears over your investment portfolio than the hundreds of thousands of lives that end in abortion every year in our country? Are you broken over the sin around you? And more importantly, more pointedly, are you broken over the own sin in your life? When you look in the mirror and you, and you see the sins that you've committed even today, you've got to realize that that breaks the heart of God. Why? Because sin never happens in a bubble. It hurts someone. It hurts you. It hurts others around you. And it breaks the heart of God. And ultimately, He had to send His one and only Son to be broken for His flesh to be torn open, for nails to be pierced, to pierce through His hands and His feet, and for a crown of thorns to be placed on His head. He was broken Because of your sin. And so holy contrition instigated the prayer that preceded. And he says in verse 5, I said, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love Him and keep His commandments... Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you today and night for the people of Israel, your servants, confessing the sins of your people, Israel, which we have sinned against you. Even I and my father's house have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statutes and the rules that you commanded your servant Moses. Let's stop there for just a moment. Not only did he have a humble concern and some holy contrition over what was happening, he also brought honest confession to God. He admitted everything before God. And listen, when you need restoration in your life, you must come to God honestly, confessing your need for Him to forgive you and to fix the brokenness in your life. And Nehemiah knew that the broken wall in Jerusalem was not the problem. He doesn't even mention the wall in the prayer. Did you hear that? Did you see this? He doesn't even talk about the wall. He doesn't talk about the the temple. He doesn't talk about any of those things. What does Nehemiah bring? What brokenness does he take to God? He brings the brokenness of sin to God in confession. I mean, we want to talk to God about all the problems all around us. Oh, goodness, the government and oh, goodness, the, the, uh, the submarine and all of those. Th- those things are, are worth praying for. But if we never bring to him that one prayer that we really need to bring is that, God, I'm broken and I need you to fix me on a daily basis. And we're getting nowhere with our prayers. Notice that he, con- he confessed national sins to God. He said, listen, our people, we're, we're broken. We're a broken people. It reminds me of what Isaiah says whenever he sees the Lord and he gets a vision of the Lord in Isaiah 6. What's the first thing he does? He falls on his face and he confesses to God he says woe to me for I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among an unclean people and the national sins of Israel were on Isaiah's heart well same thing with Nehemiah Nehemiah recognized that the people all around him even including himself we were all broken then he then he makes it he brings it <laughs> Down to his family. So he confessed familial sins. His family sins. He, he goes on to say. He says. I, I and my people. The sins of, of my people. He says. The people Israel which we've sinned against you. And then he goes on to say. Even I. And my father's house have sinned. And so he, he says. My family. we Listen. Every family in this place right here today, your family's broken. And here's what, here's what I want to I tell you right now. You're messed up and your family's messed up too. And I'm saying that not just to you, I'm saying it to me. We're all broken. There's not a family in this place. And it's not just because I'm the pastor and I know all of you either. That's not, it's just the condition of a fallen world. We're all broken. And listen, if you're here and you're thinking, well, no, nah, my, my family's pretty good. And not me. You're messed up. You're more messed up than the rest of us. Because you think you're not messed up. And now, now hear me the right way, though. There's no judgment about that. I'm not judging you, and no one else here is judging you. But if you don't admit it, it can't be fixed. You've got to decide that that's the condition of your heart and your soul, and then the condition of your family So he confessed the national sins around him. We're broken people. Confessed his familial sins. My family's broken. Then he confessed his personal sins. I'm broken. Can you do that today? Can you say to the Lord, I'm broken. I need restoration in my heart. I need it in my life, God. Not them, but me, God. Would you restore me? I'm the one, Lord, here standing in need of prayer. I'm the one that you need to fix, Lord. James 5.16 says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. If we're going to get back on track, it will, it will require confession. And So there was honest confession, but lastly, there was holistic consecration. Now, consecration means to set someone or something apart for God, to make it holy for God to use. And this is what Nehemiah's prayer did. This is the last part of Nehemiah's prayer. In fact, it's the most part of Nehemiah's prayer. Once he confesses, then he reminds God of his promise. That if, if we would confess that God would restore. He says, remember, verse 8, the word that you commanded your servant Moses saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though, you're, though they are outcast in the uttermost parts of heaven, from there I will gather them. And bring them to the place that I have chosen and make my name dwell there. See, this is what Nehemiah wants. Nehemiah wants the presence of God to be able to be in those people again. And that's what we are. We're all like broken pieces of a of a pot, of a dish. And God really wants to pour His Spirit into us. But in order for Him to pour the Spirit into us, the broken pieces have to be restored. They have to be put back together. And that's what He's wanting to do for each and every one of us. And that's what Nehemiah's prayer is. And then Nehemiah says, Lord, use us. We are Your servants. You know, in in seven verses of his prayer, the word servant is used eight times. In other words, Nehemiah is positioning himself now. He's saying, God, if you will use me, I'm your servant. You can take me and use me. And and concern that he began with, it has consequences. If you look around you and you begin to see the brokenness and the circumstances of the people around you you, then you begin to look on the inside and you say, you know what? I'm among them too. I'm a sinner just like they are. And you bring that concern to the Lord. It's going to result in a consequence. And the consequence is a decision. A decision that you have to make. A decision that you have to say yes to the Lord. Lord, I will be used by you. And you can have your will in me no matter what. No matter what that is. That's what it means to declare yourself a servant of the Lord. To say, Lord, have your will. I wonder if you've ever done that before. If you've ever said to the Lord, you can have me. You can have all of me. If you really want your life and your family to be on track with the Lord, you want, you want to take the brokenness that's in among you and in your family and in your own heart and you want to bring it to the Lord and let God restore it, you've got to say, God, you take it and you do your will with it. No longer am I in charge, God. You are in charge. I'm just your servant. I lo- absolutely love this quote from D.L. Moody powerful preacher, amazing man of God. And this this was his prayer. And he had heard this from someone else, but it's attributed to D.L. Moody. The world has yet to see what God will do through one man or one woman, fully consecrated. What does that word mean? It means set apart for God. One man fully consecrated to Him. And then D.L. Moody's prayer. By God's grace, I aim to be that man. What about you? What about you? I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. As we come to a conclusion of our service, we're going to have an invitation. This invitation is for anyone and everyone. This is an opportunity for you to respond to the message that you've just heard. And here's the thing. When you come to the Lord and you admit your sinfulness, the Lord hears that prayer and He answers that prayer by receiving you and forgiving you. Jesus said, if anyone would come to Me, I will. anyone will open up to Me. He said, I will enter in and He will dwell with Me and I will dwell with Him. And so... Wh- What we're going to invite you to do, what we're inviting you to do now, is to open up your heart and let the Lord Jesus come in and do His work of saving you. If you admit that you're broken, that brokenness has fixed a chasm between you and God where you could never reach to Him, but He did something amazing. He came down and was broken for you in your place. And He died for you. And He paid the penalty for your sinfulness so that you could enter into eternal life. And so if you want to receive that gift of salvation that He's offering freely to you today, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Just say, Dear God, I admit to You that I am a sinner. I admit that I am broken. And I need You to fix me. I deserve the the penalty for my sin." But Jesus, I believe that you came. You lived a sinless life. And you were broken for me. You took my place on the cross. I believe, Jesus, that you were raised on the third day and that you're alive today. And so I call on your name and I ask you to forgive me of my sin. Make me a new person on the inside. Begin to restore what years of sin has broken. I give you myself. You are my Lord and I am your servant. Take me and use me however you see fit. Thank you for my salvation. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now, would you stand with me? We're going to sing a song, and during this song, this is, this is the part where you move. This is the part where you, you say, God, I'm ready. I'm ready to follow you completely. I'm ready to, 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 to kneel at your feet. I'm ready to serve you. I'm ready to do whatever it takes. I'm coming to you right now. And so we invite you to come. If you've made a decision for the Lord, you come and you share what that decision is today and we'll celebrate with you over what God has done. If you need prayer, our altar is open and our altar counselors will be here at the front to pray with you. And if you're here to join Myrtle Grove Baptist Church, you know God has called you to be here. And this is the place where you want to worship and serve the Lord Jesus. We welcome you. So you come. Let's sing together.